Y'all. Y'all. No, let's start over. Let's start over. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to... Y'all Heard. A podcast uh, that's hosted by me, Pete Phillips. And me, Marissa Phillips. And we're not related. And what is this podcast about? Well, we get to tell you about things that... Uh, that we know about that you might not know about, things that we learned this week. Or, as I like to put it, I, we tell you about things you didn't know you needed to know. So, Pete, how was your week? I don't remember, Marissa. I have to be honest. I don't remember how my week is. <laughs> Which, I guess, is pretty good because it means it's not so traumatizing that I am sitting here, you know, dying right in front of you. Uh, yeah. But I guess that also means it wasn't so amazing. I'm just like, OMG, Marissa, I can't wait to tell you about how great my week is. Also, our listeners might think maybe he was so blitzed all week. I'm drinking out of my Todd Glass Show mug. Um, and this is coffee because uh, instead of being drunk this week, I've been so tired this week. I've slept more than I've slept in my entire life this week, which is mathematically impossible. But delicious. I pulled it off. I got a time machine so that I could repeatedly go back in time every single day. Uh, I am going to, yeah, yeah. So I've slept whew, at least 25 years in the past. I want to eat that up, that yeah. concept. Mm -hmm. I just want to, oh, yep. yeah. Eat that sleep up. Mm, okay. But you know what? Highlight of what? the week, right here, right now, Marissa. Aw. It's so nice to do a podcast sweet. with you. <laughs> Speaking of our podcast, everyone. I was in a car with my friend and my boyfriend. And <laughs> I was like, in a car. <laughs> they were like, let's listen to a podcast. And I was like, you should hear my podcast because you never did. And then he was like, okay. And I was like, wait, I was joking. I don't want to sit here and hear myself. But he was like, no, oh, let's no. listen. <laughs> and then we listened to the sleep paralysis episode. And oh, my God, everybody. I say um so many times. And I, like, kind of in the car, I was like, oh, man, I say that a lot. And then I forced myself to go to sleep so I didn't need to experience it anymore. <laughs> and then yesterday, which is, like, more than a week later, I'm talking to my boyfriend, and I'm like, hey, I realize I say um so much. I need to work on that. And he was like, oh, yeah. Did I tell you that? And I was like, no. <laughs> so he's been secretly thinking that all this time, which hurts more. All this time, or like... No, he was clearly thinking about it all week, and it consumed him. And he was building up the courage to tell me. But, uh, yeah, so now I know, and everyone who was thinking, oh my god, Jesus, um, so many times, now I know it, now I'm gonna make a conscious effort to stop, okay? I'm not. Well, you don't say um nearly as much as I do. Um, um I think you're... <laughs> Oh, gross. <laughs> I'm not even going to say a highlight of the week. I'm done. <laughs> so, what are you going to talk to us about this week, Marissa? You got anything fun? What did you learn? Actually, researching, even though I kind of knew about everything I'm talking about today, like, at least peripherally, was partially the highlight of the week, because I forgot about all this stuff, and I was like, oh my god, the world is so awesome. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about dating sims. Pete, are you familiar with dating sims at all? So, to me, dating sims would be um, two sims in the game, the sims, having yeah. a uh, dating relationship, and they fall in love. They yeah. have little sim babies. Um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, they're, that does happen. I mean, eventually, yeah, they're, they're going to kill each other, they're going to get a divorce, something like that. Um, that always At dark. least one of the children so. is going to die tragically. But for the most part, yeah, dating sim. <laughs> okay, so that is a version of dating sim. 
Uh, but today I'm going to talk about simulation video games with romantic elements. Um, while researching this, I realized that there is a, I guess, a misunderstanding in U.S. Like in Japan, there is something called the dating sim and there is something called a visual novel that may have romantic elements. And the article was like, Americans frequently confuse the two. I think I'm one of the people that confused the two, but I'm assuming nobody listening to us really knows the nuances. So it, I'm just going to refer to everything as a, quote, dating sim. So then would a visual novel be like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing? Like, do you interact with it? Yeah, I was going to say the most dating games I've seen are choose-your-own-adventure as well. So basically, all I'm going to talk about today are choose-your-own-adventure dating video games, whatever you want to call it. Um, so basically the main goal of all of these video games is to pair up or date one of several characters. Um, there are many dating sims. Most of them are Japanese, though there are some American main ones too. Um, and there's a really amazing Korean one. <clears throat> many dating games involve technical elements such as like, time limits, uh, statistics such as looks and charms, uh, which apparently you could boost through, like, exercise. Uh, sometimes there's an attraction meter, which can increase or decrease depending on your decisions. So, like I said, it is kind of choose-your-own-adventure. Um, in a... Ooh. See, I heard I heard it once. I heard my um. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't. In a, good. In a typical dating sim, uh, the player controls a male or female avatar surrounded by potential love interests. The gameplay usually involves talking with the love interests, attempting to increase their quote-unquote love meter through correct choices of dialogue. And the game lasts for a fixed period of time, such as maybe a month or three years, not in real time. And when the game ends, <laughs> the player either loses the game if they fail to properly win over one of the love interests, or they quote, win the game, which means they either get to date the girl you've been gunning for, or in certain games, which I have not experienced, I guess you could marry or have sex with your your the character you like, which that would be winning the game. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> or perhaps you just achieved eternal love. And since there's a lot of like people you can choose from, these games have a lot of replay value because you could be like, ooh, I want to date Sandy this time, and ooh, I want to date Billy this time. How much money have you really sunk into this? Me? Yeah. Me? <laughs> <laughs> I only once spent like, at maximum, I've spent $10 on dating. $10,000. <laughs> no, Alicia, on the other hand, our friend, might have spent a lot of money. I played a fantasy sim where I was dating personifications of constellations, or I was dating anthropomorphic, not anthropomorphic men, just like men with like animal ears. <laughs> and I was dating um, samurais and ninjas. There's many of them. How much have you learned about humanity in playing these games? <laughs> uh, I've learned that... We're all the same under our samurai no, armor. I'm a little disturbed by my actions because... And actually, these games are really disturbing, too. A lot of these games have, like, stereotypical tropes, like the, the kinds of people in all of them. There's, like, the cutesy boy, the, like, the kind of mysterious but kind of abusive dude, like, the... Guy who's really full of himself, and always the one that's like standoffish and kind of like <laughs> abusive is the one that I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna crack that nut. 
I learned that about myself. Anyway, so I realized that the best way to basically delve into the world of dating games, instead of talking about the overall theme in itself, I am going to look at four popular dating games. But, oh my god. One of them, I'm going to start with like a normal one. And then I'm going to show you how freaking weird and amazing they get. I hope so. so. So, Tokameki Memorial is one of the most well-known dating sims, and this female, uh, features a male protagonist and takes place in a high school. I think uh, the first Tokameki Memorial was in 1994, and there are Tokameki Memorials still coming out un- up until this year. In Tokameki Memorial, uh, to tell you a little about, about the gameplay, you frequently date a lot of girls, but the dates are really brief. Um, and usually it's multiple choice, choice questions that like determine if you did good on the date or bad on the date. But there's usually only like one or two questions. And based on your like choose your own adventure answer, it'll tell you whether or not, you know, you succeeded in the date. Uh, one playthrough lasts for a fixed period of three years of high school. Uh, and that requires like five to ten hours of gameplay. And at the end, the one character you meet that has the highest love meter will confess their love assuming that you win. This game is particularly notable because it has this thing called a bomb feature where girls that you neglect or barely date will become angry and start gossiping about you to other characters, which will reduce uh, love meters across the board. Sounds right. So, like, you kind of need to actually plan to prevent this. So you kind of need to, like, lead girls on and date a whole bunch of different girls just to make sure that you keep everyone happy. So I thought that was, like, an interesting, kind of, like, realistic feature. Though, not that realistic, because when are you ever going to have, like, ten women gunning for you at one time? But, whatever. Maybe the, maybe in your life that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, as for a dating sim, I would play Mystic Messenger, Pete. Number Mystic two. Oh, <laughs> my God. Okay. I'm going to have full disclosure, and this is embarrassing. And weird. Okay, so I used to live in South Korea, and I had a very pretty boyfriend, and we had to break up abruptly, because we decided, you know, I wasn't coming back, there was no, no point, like, I don't know, dragging it on, so we broke up the day I went back to the United States, so I was just so lonely, and I was missing Korea, and I was missing just having a boyfriend, so then Alicia, our friend, is like, you should play this Korean dating sim called Mystic Messenger. And the amount that it filled the void, because no one was real. <laughs> Mystic Messenger is a South Korean dating sim. And like the other ones, it's a choose-your-own-adventure game with an online messaging theme, which is brilliant. Okay, I'll tell you why. In this game, you download a mysterious messaging app that gives you access to a chat room that's frequented by six really hot Korean guys who work for a charity organization. So just imagine one day you downloaded an app, and you're like, ooh, what's this app? And you get on it, and you're in a chat room already. And everyone's like, who the hell are you? Why are you in our chat room? So, and you're like, I don't know. So, in a very convoluted turn of events that I'm not going to try to explain, you are asked to lead their charity organization and organize parties for them. 
And so you need to work closely with all these hot Korean guys to do the event planning. <laughs> and eventually, after you know you start talking to them, you have to pick one of them to pursue. So things about this game that are so awesome. One, it's all done in different parts. You're either in a chat room, you're talking via text message, you're getting actual phone calls, or you're uh, sending emails. And so you get to look at all these cute boys' avatars, and you also upload an avatar. I played this game two times. Once I uploaded like a silly like cartoon avatar, and once I uploaded my own face, and it was so disconcerting. <laughs> I will just say that. Okay, a and what makes this so great is this one happens in real time. So you will get a phone call. If you're doing something you don't pick it up, you miss the phone call. If you don't pick it up, you'll have them talking to you in Korean. The more you're there to engage in real time, like the better you do. Each character unlocks a new route, and every route has one good ending, one normal ending, three bad story endings, and two bad relationship endings. Yeah, that sounds like life. <laughs> and each story route potentially lasts 11 days, unless you get a bad ending. And I have never won this game. Twice I have pursued this cute, this cute little doofy nerdy Korean guy who likes playing League of Legends and like he loves you a lot. And I guess I picked the wrong answer. How do you screw that one up? <laughs> because Pete, what would you think would happen if you lose a dating sim? Like, what do you think happens? Ah, uh, gosh. I, I mean, if it's trying to be realistic, they just don't answer you anymore. Oh, they ghost you. Yeah. Well, in this game, you're ghosted by a bot. <laughs> <laughs> two things happen. And I had grown so attached to this game that I was chilled to the core and had to take a month off between playing it. The first time, it definitely was preferred that the guy committed suicide. Yep, that's what I, that was what I was going to say, but I was like, no, that's too obvious. And the second time, it was inferred that he was a cyborg. Amazing, because it's true. So... <laughs> <laughs> so like I was so excited like I was getting these fake text messages and fake phone calls from this person every day and then I was like what? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish everybody could have seen your face you I had someone with me when I was playing the game and I was just like gonna cry cause like they don't like give you a there's no like cool down period it's just like I'm a cyborg okay you lost and you're like no so I'm not a sorb, cyborg, and I just killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I want to play the game again, but I need to make sure I'm mentally and emotionally ready. Yeah. Uh, how many people do you think play it to win as, like, a game or play it as some sort of, like, companionship filler? And, by, and my other question that I forgot to get in earlier was, is it always 11 days, or, like, could you still be playing if you were doing it right? <laughs> Oh, uh, well, you could keep playing it with different um, different endings. But, yeah, I think 11 days is if you play okay. it well. Since I lost, it was only four days. I got cut off. You get wow. cut off. Um, and I would say, so I don't know if most people are playing it for a, quote, relationship filler, but I would say at least, like, 80% are playing it because they want to, like, be like, oh, my God, he's so hot. Uh, and I know they're, an they're anime people. They're not real people pictures. They're anime people, but you still uploaded your own face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, it might feel weird. But yeah. Okay. Thank you for your vulnerability. <laughs> yes. I'm embarrassed, but yeah. Uh, the next two, 
get progressively weirder. And this next one, I'm going to read directly from something because I could not paraphrase this if I wanted to. <laughs> this other one, uh, this is a very popular dating sim. Hatful Boyfriend has received generally positive reception. It's very highly rated on Steam. And reviewers praise the gameplay's replay value as well as its writing and characterization. Pete, have I told you about this pigeon dating sim? No, but I can't wait. Okay. I have pigeon problems in my life. And dating problems. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hotful Boyfriend is set in an alternate version of Earth in which birds have taken the place of humans in society. Apparently, a, dead, a deadly mutated strain of the bird flu nearly wipes out mankind in the year 2068. The release of a countervirus cultivated to destroy the avian carri- carriers in a desperate attempt to stop the spread of the disease ends up backfiring as the birds who resisted the countervirus instead develop human-level intelligence. War soon breaks out between the newly uplifted birds and the remnants of humanity, resulting in birds emerging as the planet's new dominant life forms as humans continue to succumb to the disease. Following several terrorist attacks by a human insurgency, all remaining humans have been forced to live in the wilderness, away from civilization, in a form of apartheid-like segregation. <laughs> okay, that didn't get to exactly the plot of the game. That's Go- the background. Why, who the hell wants to date in this world? Well, <laughs> sounds okay. miserable. So that what, what just happened happened in 2068. But the game takes place in 2188. Oh my god. And this is many years later, as you see where humans and the birds started to assimilate again. And in this game, a teenage human girl is invited to attend a prestigious bird-only school called St. Pigeon Nations Institute. And she is starting her second year of high school. Uh, The female protagonist has grown accustomed to the confusion of being the only human in a school full of birds. And the game follows the protagonist and her interspecies love and hijinks then ensue as she attempts to romance one of a number of eligible birds she comes in contact with over the course of a year. I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, she's the only human in an all-bird school. I will say they are truly pigeons. They are not anthropomorphized pigeons. However, to make the They can't sit in desks at school. To make the game less alienated, you can, I think, toggle a view so that you can kind of see, like, personified versions of each pigeon. But they are pigeons. The entire time, I was only thinking of the uh, the three pigeons, good feathers, from no, Animaniacs. Like <laughs> the whole entire time. The pigeons in this game, I think, look, like, more realistic, which makes them grosser. Yeah. Because um, uh, they shit all I over my porch. <laughs> I want to play this game, but I haven't wanted to pay $10 yet. Christmas is coming, podcast listener. Yeah, guys. Someone buy me a boyfriend, please. Why don't you Venmo Marissa some money? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll download Venmo. <laughs> Does this hit the level that we want it to hit where it becomes some sort of, uh, you know, like a long-standing parallel between being, say, like the only African-American student in a school full of white people or something, or the only girl in a school full of boys or something like that? Or is this just, like... Nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm not sure because I haven't played it yet. 
I assume it's maybe a bit of both. It's definitely part nonsense. Which leads me to my which, last... Wait, which part? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Which leads me to this last one. Called Cold Hearts. This is what you've all been waiting for. Yes. Cold Hearts, the tagline, official tagline is, a visual novel about dating refrigerators, loneliness, and the meaning of life. The storyline of Cold Hearts is, the protagonist is, this is a, a paraphrased quote, the protagonist is suffering after the death of her father. And as they explain it, the protagonist says, when I try to sleep, dark thoughts haunt me, showing me the worst moments of my life. I tried counting the sheep, but the only thing that really helps is a quick trip to the kitchen to grab something sweet from my fridge. And so we live together in harmony. Every night I come to visit her and ease my worried mind, and then I go back to sleep. Except for one night, the night when the fridge came to me. The refrigerator is heroin. (laughs) And this game represents the opioid crisis in America. (laughs) Now this one... Oh, these are just straight up fridges. These are not. <laughs> I so I did a a playthrough of the demo, not the whole thing, but en- enough to get a feel for it. Because I was like, what are they like personified fridges? Like, are they sexy fridges? Like, what are they? It's a real fridge. It just looks like a fridge. Uh, but these fridges talk. They can go into different rooms, and they giggle. They blush. Sometimes you'll see like little pinkness on the fridge when it's blushing, and um. As far as I got, nothing overtly sexual happened. Oh, like, that was a really heavy overtly well, sexual. <laughs> like the fridge comes into your room and it's like, "What are you doing?" The fridge is like, "Oh, I just wanted to make your life easier. Here's a chocolate bar." Chill oh, out, I'm... honey. <laughs> and then um, in the morning, you're like, "Did I really see that?" And you go to the fridge. The fridge is talking. And then you're, the, the guy goes, the fridge is a woman, by the way, and it's a guy protagonist. And the guy's like, hey, um. Did we and like? He has, like <laughs> he has, like, food in his hand. And he's like, hey, um, I just wanted to put this inside of you. Will you let me do it? I'll be gentle. So, yeah. If this is the first episode that you're listening, please go back two episodes to listen to our episode on social eating and vorophilia. I don't know if later he's going to put a bunch of food into the fridge and the fridge is going to be like, yeah, put it in me. Put the meat in me. I don't know. I just thought of the terrible, oh, I put it in you, but there's still plenty of room. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um... I was blown, uh, mind blown. No, my mind was blown. <laughs> I, my mind was so blown, I cannot <laughs> say that my mind was blown. My friend Alicia, yes, yeah, she's the one who gives me all these dating sims, and she was like, Marissa, you won't even believe this. This is made for you. There's a longer story of why it was made that I'm not going to go Marissa's into. friends really think highly of her. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Cold Hearts, there is... I'm not, Google Cold Hearts game, because there's also a movie called Cold Hearts. You could play the demo on the website for free, and you can also see the storyline and the characters. I would recommend that, 
Guys, I would recommend you at least look up every single thing I said, except for Tokyo Mameki Memorial. Who cares? But I would recommend... And if you get caught by your partner sim dating, I want you to give them Marissa's contact information. <laughs> sure. I'll, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you actually want something like kind of sexy and like, ooh, I would download Mystic Messenger. If you want something absurd, download How to Fool Boyfriend. And if you want something mind-bendingly unreal, <laughs> go look at Cold Hearts. So I defer to you, Pete. Go ahead. Marissa, one of the things we forgot to mention at the top of this episode is that this is our very first mismatch episode. Oh, yeah. Because normally we try to have complementary topics or we tag team on one topic. Sometimes we're going to have things that we really want to talk about. <laughs> this is going to make me sound psychotic. That we really want to talk bit. about. <laughs> but that we can't seem to, to work into each other's uh, you know spheres of... Uh, of interest, or whatever. We can't link them up. So, we're going to do mismatch episodes, and this week I want to talk to people about why we clink glasses and toasts in general. Now... Do you have hard research, or are you going to editorialize? Hard research. Okay, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Following Marissa's model, this is my personal story that brings this topic to you today. Uh, each birthday at work work with a group of three people and each time it's somebody's birthday everybody's like oh we're gonna go out to lunch and it's only three people not a big deal but every time we go out to lunch at at some point somebody raises a glass and it's not like we go to a place that serves things in glassware and we're not drinking wine um most often they are plastic cups and uh, yeah, somebody picks up and says, well, happy birthday, blank. And they bang plastic cups together. <laughs> and here's the thing. I want to be a team player. I want to be a good sport. I don't want anybody out there being like, oh, Phillip's here. He's a, he's a wet blanket. I want to be a good sport, but I don't understand why we're doing it for a variety of reasons. One, it's just a birthday. These things happen all the time. Yep, wet blanket, Pete. Um... <laughs> Um, they're plastic cups. It's not even like they're clinking. And that's Are they the giving you cake? No, there's no cake. So um, no, you don't need to like that, because if they're thinking that's the equivalent of cake, that's bullshit. <laughs> and the third part is, I don't understand the history of toasting. Okay. So that's kind of what I wanted to get into today. Uh, Marissa, do you have any ideas for why we toast things slash clink glasses? Those aren't necessarily... They like, don't... Very true. My research of why we clink glasses led me to toasting etiquette, which is my finishing point later on. So I'm going to try to like lump them together, but I'm just throwing that out there because... Mm. Just in case I you assume have it an has idea. something to do with royalty. Sort of. <laughs> okay. The following reasons are proposed for why we toast things. The Romans, uh, you raise a glass because you're offering wine to the gods. Okay. Uh, <laughs> silly Christians, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, the sound of clinking glasses scares away the devil. Yeah! <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I hope that's what your coworkers are thinking <laughs> every year. Oh, another year we gotta keep away the devil. This, <laughs> this is not true. Um, but this is, believe it or not, the reason why we have church bells. And church bells are much louder than clinking glasses. If I'm the devil, I'm not going to be afraid of clinking glasses. But church yeah. bells, yeah, if they're right next to me. Then there's this other thing 
let me see if I can find a nice way to say this. Um, there's no. this other thing that focuses around being poisoned. And the idea was there's a big old bucket of wine in the front. Yes, I'm saying all this wrong. There's a big bucket of wine in the front, and the guy who's hosting the party, say the father of the bride, we just use that as a quick example, dumps his cup in and lifts it up and says, to my new kids or whatever, and then drinks it. And what this proves is the bucket full of wine is not poisoned, and so it's okay. It's safe for everybody at the party to drink. No clinking glasses. I'm like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. So then, then it goes into the father of the bride drank from a communal cup, proving the wine was not poisoned. The clinking glasses, wine spilling from one glass to another, uh, may have helped to ensure that the drinks were not contaminated. Now, I love your face here, Marissa, because you are following this 100%. There's <laughs> no way that the father is drinking out of a gigantic goblet that he's clinking with other people's so that a few splashes land in their glass so that they can participate. It's bullshit. It's just total bullshit. But the thing that irritates me is that all three of these are quoted so prevalently all across the internet. People have just accepted this as truth. Except Snopes. I realize Snopes is a website and that a certain human being probably compiled this evidence, but I can't find a name that is attributed to it. But yeah, Snopes is like, no, that's not it. Like, there's, it's certainly a novel idea that clinking glasses would scare the devil away, that, you know, there's a giant communal glass of wine that's being somehow passed about through clinking glasses but yeah they're like no none of it's true here's here's their explanation which also okay. exhausts me i meant to write this down because i have to think every single time can you help me marissa help you write something down what are the five senses you got your hearing smell touch taste and sight yeah right okay so here's here's the part <laughs> that throws me a little off okay you're at a party they're offering the toast, and you're participating in this party, that sort of thing. Um, you can taste the wine, yeah. the food. You can see all these people having a good time. You can touch, you know, there's people around you, that sort of thing. And smell, I don't know what's up with smell. But they speculate that to engage the most amount of senses, <laughs> people added clinking glasses. Why? Who cares? <laughs> the pleasant sound was made part of the experience. Now, here's what I don't like about this. It posits that this is a pleasant sound for everyone. I'll tell you one thing. I will find myself sitting at a table while I'm eating. Like, I'll fork salad into my mouth, yeah. and then I'll just be sitting there with a fork twirling yeah. it around, and I'll start banging on my glass, tapping out a tune. I don't mind <laughs> the sound of glasses clinking, but I also still don't understand why it's happening. Now, okay, let's go back to your thing about the birthday. If I were you, why it would annoy me is because I would be like, guys, this is a boring, pointless tradition. Let's do something with substance. Who cares? But you seem annoyed by the actual action of the clinking. Yeah. The okay. thud. The thud of plastic cups hitting each other. See, I was with you till I realized the part that actually bothered you. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It is the toast, which led me into, why are we clinking glasses in the first place? Okay. Oh, we're clinking glasses for a toast. Beyond mere oral pleasure, AU, beyond mere oral pleasure, the act of touching your glass to that of others is a way of emphasizing that you are part of the good wishes being expressed, that okay, you are making a physical connection to the toast. So somebody at the front yeah. has made the toast and clinked a glass and now by proxy, almost like 
the spread of a terrible virus, yeah. <laughs> you, you how have now caught it. You have caught the toast. That's the most someone... valid one more than like wine splashing for. The practice also serves Point. another purpose, that of uniting the individuals taking part this oof, taking part in the benediction into a cohesive group. As okay. the wine glasses are brought together, so symbolically are the people holding them. I'll buy that also. <laughs> Here's where it falls apart. <laughs> On a deeper level, the wine is also being re-communed with itself. Ugh, meaning that when people bring their glasses together, if those glasses fell apart, the wine could come back together and That's be in a, a bottle. What <laughs> is just the point? Like... Why do we even need such depth? <laughs> All it could be is, it makes you connected to the people. End of story, don't give me any more. This took me into, um, yeah, toasting and everything like that, and I found a horrible, horrible portion of the internet, which is etiquettescholar.com slash dining etiquette slash toasts. There's so many rules about toasting, it's disgusting. Tell me one. Do you sit or do you stand, Marissa? You sit. If toasts are made over pre-dinner drinks in the living room, the toaster may want to stand. At the dinner table, the toaster may want to remain seated if the group is fairly small. A table of a dozen or more usually requires the toaster to stand so that people will be able to hear. Oh, the toaster. I thought you meant the toasties, but okay. The toasties. Those are awards for blankets that happen every year. (laughs) I am notoriously been accused of having horrific manners, so I'm not a good person to ask this to. Because I, oh, okay, because when we were in grad school and we were at the graduate banquet, I kept eating when someone was toasting. Uh, me too. One, I didn't Mine was on purpose, though. Toast. Two, who cares? I'll eat what I want to eat. I'm not defacing your toast, but everyone at my table got mad at me that I was being disrespectful for eating during a toast. So answer me that. Are you allowed to eat during a toast? Not to mention those things go on so long that, no. you, yeah, you could get pretty hungry. Also, I just didn't care. It wasn't that I was dying. I'm just like, what? who said? Who? Who said I can't eat during this toast? So I would say in that situation that the food should not be served. If it's going to be a pre-meal toast, then the food should probably not be sitting in front of you getting cold yeah, while uh-huh. you're waiting for the toast to be completed. But there are post-meal toasts. And if it was after the meal, then theoretically everybody should have been done uh, before that certain action was taken. How many kinds of toasts do you think there are? Pre-meal, post-meal. That's it. There are action toasts, adventure toasts, adversity toasts, advice toasts, age toasts, ambition toasts. Adversity toasts are not a thing. Departed toasts, which are toasts by Mark Wahlberg. By death? Oh, okay. <laughs> Divorce toasts, freedom toasts, generosity toasts, goodbye toasts, gratitude toasts. Fudge is a freedom toast. Reunion toasts, prosperity toasts, victory toasts, health toasts. I wish you were going to say a prostate toast. How about this one, imagination toasts? Ugh, I hate everything. Yeah, fine, they all exist, but they don't need names. Just the way smash cakes don't need names. This uh, website, though, gives you all sorts of terrible toasts that you can make. For example, if you're like, you know what, tonight, I just want to toast imagination. Uh, let, me, let me Google this really quick. Here's to imagination. R. Buckminster Fuller said it best. Dare to be naive. Clinkity, <laughs> oh, clink, 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 clink. <laughs> my fantasy is like to be out on a girl's night at a club 
and like y'all are ready to like do tequila shots and y'all are wearing like <laughs> tight body con dresses and Sheila's like everybody wait a minute before I go I just just want to toast imagination <laughs> like that's the best and then everyone's like what the hell Sheila and that's my fantasy <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of them what was the one that you didn't like the most adversity toast or freedom toast to the American Eagle, may it never rise in anger, never go to roost in fear. That's a freedom. Toast. Ew. What is the context that someone would be allowed to say that in public? And by the way, this is not like a, a vehement position that I take. If I go, like, don't not invite me to a wedding because I'm going to be <laughs> sticking the mud and be like, why are we clinking glasses? <laughs> um, but to me, the raising of the glass and the clinking, right? To mm -hmm. me, just acts as punctuation. Because if I got up, let's say it's Marissa's birthday, and we take out a group of friends, and there's like 12 of us there, and at some point during the dinner, I just stand up and I go, to Marissa, everybody, she's the best uh, friend that somebody could ask for, and thanks for coming all this way so that we could celebrate dinner with her, and then I just sit down. <laughs> Like, no. <laughs> the raising of the glass and sometimes the clinking, to me, represents just, yeah, that punctuation at the end of an idea and the But you end... know how I love punctuations of and course. closing <laughs> statements. So, I laughed just because I visualized that and how weird it seemed without an end note. Yeah. So, the last part of this that I wanted to go through, Marissa, is uh, superstition that I discovered along the way. Okay. Um... You and I are sitting here, and we need to clink glasses, okay? Yeah. What are you looking at when we go to clink glasses? The glass. Right, because if our glasses don't hit each other, like, we could hit each other in the face by accident. We yeah. could totally miss, or maybe we hit it at a funny angle, and it spills all over us. Yeah. Makes sense to look at the glass to me. Guess what? Yeah. You well, have to maintain eye contact during a toast. That's weird. Why? Because if you don't, you'll have seven years of bad sex. <laughs> Why? What? Ew, Somebody blames the French, but it's a very widespread European superstition. What does sex have to do with anything? Because those glasses be banging. <laughs> I... <laughs> All right. Yeah, I hate that. So that's been a rollicking episode <laughs> of, of uh, Y'all Heard. Marissa, you got anything to plug this week? Plug Halloween? No, Halloween passed by the yeah. time. Plug post-Halloween. Get all that cheap candy <laughs> that Did Marissa can eat. I'll know what to plug by the time you plug. Well, this week I wanted to plug Sports Card Truths on Instagram, and I wanted to do that because, and maybe it's still happening, because the World Series is going on. Oh. And uh, we're also transitioning from baseball uh, in the summer into, you know, basketball, football for the fall. So keep your eyes peeled for some more football and basketball cards uh, in addition to baseball cards. I, um, I still don't have a, my own house. So I still have not picked up uh, my really fun other creative projects, but um, I am still on my regular personal Instagram. So if anyone wants to drop me a line or anything, uh, you could tweet Pete at at Pete Abides. Instagram me at Riss Vandal R I S S V A N D A L. So yeah, I don't know. Hopefully I'll have a house one day, guys. Hopefully one day I'll have a house. I won't have a stomach ulcer. I'll be able to consume foods that aren't toast, and I'll be living the life. Don't forget, you can also call us at 570-763-9231. Juan, if you're listening, I want your story. 
570-763-9231. I should see if those correspond with letters so that we can come up with a, Ooh, <laughs> with a word. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can call and leave us a voicemail. I promise no one will answer. And you can leave a voicemail as long as you want, and perhaps we can incorporate that into the show. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. This has been 123. Y'all heard. heard. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.